0: The following message is entitled, The Eternal Word, Part 2. This message was given during the morning service on June fifth, two 2022, at the East Side Bible Church in Chicago, Illinois, by Pastor John Stevens. Sermon title for this morning is The Eternal Word, Part 2, and for the sake of those listening remotely by recording, I will say what I just said to a congregation, a reminder that we are in the first Sunday of the month, on Communion Sundays, I have been attempting to go to the Gospel of John, teaching a series that I've entitled for the entire Gospel as Communion Credentials. The credentials are obviously the credentials of Christ, a verse-by-verse study of the Gospel of John. In the note sheet as well, for those that are here, I typed for you what I consider the key verse for the entire Gospel, in my opinion, John 1, verse 4. If you'll look there, in him was life, And the light was the light of men. The life was the light of men because men are walking in darkness, as verse 5 says. And the darkness cannot comprehend the light. That is extremely important, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In your introduction, write this down. The primary mark of an unbeliever... Is an inability to understand God's truth. Primary mark of an unbeliever is the inability to understand God's truth. That's verse 5. All unbelievers are in darkness, they can't comprehend. I cannot understand. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend. Could translate comprehend as overpower, and the idea is that the light cannot be overpowered, but I think that's alien to the context, because certainly this chapter is talking about, in verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. So unbelievers cannot comprehend the Bible. This is permanent. You can sit under Bible teaching for decades and still not understand it. This comprehension that unbelievers lack can happen to professed believers. It's with professed believers as well. It's not just, you can write that in the introduction, it's not just pagans out there. It's whether a person claims to be saved and isn't in the church or a pagan outside of the church, lack of comprehension of the truth, the light. Christ, the gospel it's the same for everyone we see this as I've taught many times on the issue of um, professed believers who can't grasp truth or if they're taught something they forget it so write these words down as well lack of comprehension includes this includes these things for an unbeliever all unbelievers whether professed in the church or unsaved outside the church Hardness, no conviction. Blindness, no understanding. Forgetfulness, no remembrance. Hardness, blindness, forgetfulness is encompassing this lack of understanding. Hardness, blindness, forgetfulness. We see that among the lost outside of our churches in that they just have no use for the Bible. We see that in our churches by people who claim to be saved with permanent, decade after decade, lack of comprehension, understanding, conviction, forgetful. A person can be lacking in understanding of the Bible on day one of their conversion and it's the same 60 years later. Tragically, Linda Hall fit into that category. She was born and raised in this church, and she no more knew the Bible any better the day that she was saved here than the day she died. Tragic. And we've had countless professed believers in our church who have never progressed spiritually, who have long since either left the church or gone the way of death and judgment, claiming to be saved but weren't or still reside in our church today hardness lack of understanding lack of conviction permanent forgetfulness and that's why your introductory statement says the world cannot get christ right they don't have the spirit they don't without the spirit there can be no change Most professed believers think that, well, I don't understand the Bible because I'm uneducated. This is a spiritual issue, not an educational issue. The very people who claim to be uneducated and can't understand the Bible as professed believers are ones who can operate their TVs, they can fill out resumes, they can obey their bosses, they can drive cars, they can pass tests, they can fill out their taxes, they can operate their smartphones. But all of a sudden, when it comes to the Word of God, year after year after year, forget, 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 don't know, don't know, don't know. It doesn't happen with a smartphone. A professed believer who has no comprehension of the Bible ten years later can still operate their smartphone. They don't forget that. It's not an Alzheimer's issue. It's a spiritual issue. Let me read to you some quotes by some really intelligent individuals in our world system. Extremely intelligent individuals, but they could never get it right. John Lennon from the Beatles said years ago quote we're more popular than jesus christ right now i don't know which will go first rock and roll or christianity end quote had no comprehension who jesus christ was he put christ and christianity on the same level as rock and roll former premier of russia Mikhail gorbachev said this quote, jesus was the first socialist had no idea who he was extremely intelligent he wasn't a socialist that wasn't who jesus was And his purpose in life, Mikhail Gorbachev said, was to seek a better life for mankind. No comprehension. Why? Because he was Russian? Communist? No, why? No spirit. Thomas Jefferson, one of the architects of our great nation in the past, said this about the Apostle Paul. Paul was the first corrupter of the doctrines of Jesus. Corrupter. Didn't think much of the Bible, did he? Remember he pared the Bible down to, what, 120 words that you could trust? But it's not just among pagans. It was also among professed believers like Albert Schweitzer, the liberal Christian author. Everyone thought he was a Christian, missionary to Africa. Listen to what he said. He said this, quote, Bauer's criticism of the gospel history, that was an apostate liberal Bauer, his criticism of the gospel history is worth a good dozen lives of Jesus. How do you like that? A professed believer. Bauer's criticism of Christianity is good or better than a dozen Jesuses. Because Bauer, because his work, Bauer's work, as we are now only coming to recognize after half a century, is the ablest and most complete collection of the difficulties. Of the life of Jesus which is anywhere to be found. Albert Schweitzer claimed to be a Christian then said that Bauer exposed all the difficulties of the Bible and we can thank him for that, that he exposed the errors of the life of Jesus. Contemporary author Reza Aslan, a contemporary author, secular, he was raised a Shia muslim then he converted to christianity so so to speak catholic He even became a church leader in a catholic church but then he converted back to islam at the request of the jesuit priests they told him to reconvert well we know catholicism is messed up but here's what Reza Aslan said quote, the more i started studying the historical jesus the man who lived 2,000 years ago, the more I started to realize that there was this chasm between the historical Jesus and the Jesus that I had been taught about in the church. Yeah. (laughs) Because he got taught about Jesus by the Catholic Church. And they told him to go back to Islam. So what did he do? Did he turn to the Bible? No, he renounced it all and went back to Islam. That's what you have when you lack the Spirit. Now let us see the difference with a quote concerning Christ and the cross by one of the great Christian leaders in the church, Puritan John Bunyan. Let's hear what he has to say. Obviously, intellectually, maybe on par with some of those I just read. Maybe some of them not on the same level intellectually, but it's irrelevant. Look what John Bunyan said. Quote, Christ's death for us was so virtuous that in the space of three days and nights, He reconciled to God in his flesh every one of the elect. He presented himself to the justice of the law, standing in the place and room of all that he undertook for, and gave his life as a ransom for many, abolishing death, destroying him that had the power of death, taking away the sting of death, obtaining for us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and taking possession of heaven for us. It is fit that we should believe this, rejoice in this, talk of this, tell one another of this, and live in the expectation of our own personal enjoyment of the coming of heaven. Oh, how we should bow our knees before God and call him tender father, Yea, how we should love and obey Christ and devote ourselves into his service and be willing to also be sufferers for his sake, to whom be honor and glory forever. Amen. Do you see the profound difference? Unsaved man, the most brilliant of them, are throwing darts at Christ in a dark alley and trying to fathom who he is. That's verse 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. The light referring to Christ. That's why it's capitalized in the New American Standard. No matter how brilliant, church-going, professing even to be saved, one does not gain an understanding by human ability unsaved man cannot fathom who he is and they never speak of their own submission to his lordship i've wondered for many decades why lordship has been written out of the gospel in bible believing christianity in western civilization europe especially and in the u.s canada why lordship has been written out of the gospel because you can't comprehend who Jesus Christ is as unbelievers. And the church is apostatized and has been taken over by countless millions of pastors, missionaries, and leaders in our Bible-believing churches who do not comprehend Christ because they do not have what? The Spirit of God. And so the gospel is rewritten to remove the lordship of Jesus Christ as part of the gospel. Only by the Spirit's enlightenment, write this down, Only by the Spirit's enlightenment can a man speak of God and Christ accurately. Only by the Spirit's enlightenment can a man like Bunyan or anyone else speak of God and Christ accurately, as he did. One must have the Spirit, not education. Education is a great snare. In our society, it is what will win today our, believers, our leaders believe in our country. Everything's education. Education is power, and it's come into the church. Countless professed Christians who have little education, can't read well or whatever, and they blame their lack of understanding of the scriptures on that when they're in dire straits heading to hell because this is a spiritual issue. You can't come to know Christ in a true way by education, reflection, or brilliance. One comes to know Christ as the Spirit of God enlightens a person's mind to believe in Him. In the darkest of Africa, there have been great theologians, uneducated. How many of the apostles were simple, lower class fishermen and Jews? The educated Pharisees rejected Jesus Christ. And the one that turned to him, it would seem, though there really isn't any evidence of his conversion, he may have, was Nicodemus. And he was highly educated and knew the original languages. And Christ was astounded at his ignorance of who Christ is. It's not an educational issue. It's as simple and as profound as that. A person has to have the spirit to grasp Christ is the darkness in the church among professed believers marked by hardness lack of understanding of truth lack of conviction lack of remembrance of truth is an evidence of profound unbelief this is a great problem for Israel and it's a great problem for the church today Israel and the church fall into the category of verse 5 it's amazing then in verse 11 he says he came to his own and those who were his own in verse 11 did not receive him this is still Old Testament It's Old Testament until Acts chapter 2 Whether from the book of Isaiah or till the gospel of John the Israelites had apostatized and they did not know who Christ was and they rejected him they did not receive him His own, in verse 11, refers to Israelites. Verse 10, because they did not know him. One can claim to be a believer, Jew, or a believer in the church. The ignorance and blindness to understanding the truth is the evidence of unbelief. A profession of faith in Jesus Christ combined with permanent lack of understanding of the scriptures shows the profession was false. That's darkness. Permanent ignorance of scripture. Inability to grasp its meaning is a mark of unbelief. Look at Isaiah 6. Let's look at these Israelites. This darkness that Christ came to intersect. Isaiah chapter 6. It's in your note sheet. Not the one from the table, but the one I gave you, Jolima. Isaiah chapter 6, look what the godly man says in verse 5, the godly Christian, the, the Christian is growing, the normal Christian, not a Christian in the Old Testament obviously, but it's still true, we, we would say, I would, should say the godly Jewish believer, Christianity comes in in the New Testament, but it's the same, same truth, this is transcendent truth. Verse 5, then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. Why? For, here's the cause my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And the king is holy in verse 3. And this is whom Isaiah saw a godly man or woman, Old or New Testament. A godly man or woman is faced with the holiness of God. And it strikes them down. I am is jaw. It's pronounced jaw in the Hebrew in verse 5. Not I was. It is a transcendent statement. Currently, I am continuously. As Isaiah the great prophet, I am this. That's what, exactly what Paul said in Romans 7. Wretched man that I am. What he said in 1 Timothy 1 verse 15 when he said, I'm the chief of all sinners. This is what the godly say. Because we see. See in verse 5? We see, we comprehend who we are compared to God, false believers in the old and the New Testament who claim to be saved like these jews they they don't see it. Look at verse ten, starting with verse nine, He says, "Go and tell this people, the Israelites, keep on listening and do not perceive. notice no understanding, hearing, not understanding. Keep on looking, but do not understand. He explains perception, lack of understanding, I don't understand, I don't understand." This is a person who's taken to a verse as a professed believer. Explain this verse. I can't. I don't know what it means. That's a lack of conversion. Verse 10, render the hearts. That's the mind. Hard is the mind of this people. Notice, insensitive. You wrote that down in the introduction. Hard. Ears dull. What does that mean? An ear that is dull, a Hebrew expression refers to an ear that hears sound, but it doesn't get internally in to transfer the mind. Only a believer has that ability. Eyes dim. They can read the Bible, but it means nothing. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and notice. Here's the understanding. Understand with the mind. That comes from the Spirit. And return, that's repentance, and be spiritually healed. This only comes through the Spirit. This is why we have so many... Like Israel at the end of the Old Testament, so many in the church today, born-again Christians supposedly who basically never change, never converted, never show any evidence of salvation they just church attend, they're lost. This isn't backsliding, this is lack of conversion. And this is why so many mission organizations are rolling over. I was reading The Voice magazine, you can see it. There's an ad in there for an organization for a conference in the magazine, and it's got Charismatics, Reformed guys, and others in there. There's, that should not be advertised in that magazine. Fundamental Bible-believing organization. How does this happen? Lack of discernment, as we'll see in First Corinthians. Darkness. I don't know who's in charge of the voice, and I'm not going to cast dispersions on the new director of the IFCA, but somebody's missing the ball here, where we don't know what Our left hand is from our right because there's darkness, there's blindness, there's lack of understanding. Look at Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44. And you would think that the blindness would be recognized by those who are blind, wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be logical if you said to a blind man, physically blind, you're blind because you keep stumbling and the person says, no, I'm not blind. You would think that because they stumble around and can't see that the physically blind person would say, yes, I know I'm blind. But a spiritually blind professed believer refuses to ever accept that they're blind. It's part of judgment. Talking about the fool in Israel who's an idolater and is making an idol in Isaiah 44, in verse 17, he takes this chunk of wood and he makes for himself a god, he warmed himself with the other part and he ate his meal over the other part in verse 16. Isaiah 44 verse 17, the rest of it he makes into God his graven image. He falls down before it and he worships it. And he prays to it and says, deliver me, you are my God. You think you, you, Logic, see what God is saying is, how can someone take a chunk of wood, make a fire, warm himself, eat his meal cooked on it, take the other chunk from that wood and worship it? You would think that he'd recognize this is just wood. He can't. Verse 18. They do not know, nor do they understand. There it is, the twofold. This is the essence of unbelief, in or out of the church. Lack of knowledge, that means permanent ignorance. Permanent ignorance. I can't find the books of the Bible after 20 years. I don't know what these verses mean. Don't ask me to explain a verse. I can't understand anything that is said to me. I, I can't. I can't comprehend. Do not know. Permanent state of knowledge, ignorance. And it leads to a lack of comprehension. I do not understand. What does this mean? I don't understand. That's that's lack of conversion. You would think a blind person would recognize that, right? I read the Bible. I can't understand it. I permanently can't understand it. I forget everything I'm taught. What's wrong with me? They don't do that. The blindness blinds them to the blindness. Verse 18. Look at culpability. Culpability means... Guilt. He's responsible, this. For God has smeared over their eyes so that they cannot see and their hearts so they cannot comprehend. Now notice the culpability. No one recalls. See the forgetfulness there in verse 19? Nor is there knowledge or understanding to say, I've burned half of it. They can't recall. They don't know. They don't understand. I don't understand. Sermon after sermon, I don't understand, I don't understand. Passage, look this up, what does this mean? I don't know, 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 I don't know. That's not educational ignorance. That's no spirit. And this is how we get organizations to get these type of individuals in, in mission organizations, and everything's rolling over into apostasy because we have unbelievers. There's a phrase in verse 20 that is shocking to me. God says, such an individual feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside. Notice, he cannot deliver himself, nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? How can the word of God be preached to countless professed believers in our Bible-believing churches, include ours, and you have individuals that never change, never never convicted, never softened? They can't. See verse 20? Is there not a lie in my right hand? That's why the first word of verse 21 is remember. If there's going to be a revival, there has to be a return. There has to be a repentance in verse 22. There has to be remembrance. But it's not just the Old Testament. Continue in the Old Testament, in a sense. Go to John 12. It's New Testament, but it's actually still Old Testament, as I said. Go to John 12. This is all prefacing the point that there has to be an intervention from Christ for a person to be saved. Preaching won't do it. Reading the Bible won't do it. John chapter 12. This is why John Lennon can say what he did. Mikhail Gorbachev. They're blind. It doesn't matter whether they're a rock star. Head of Russia. Mother Teresa, that was a good one, wasn't it? Paul was the first corrupter of the doctrines of Jesus, was Thomas Jefferson. And Mother Teresa, I think I skipped that one. She said, quote, each one of us is Jesus in disguise. Has no clue. And years ago, when we were at Maranatha, yeah, I'm trying to find the direction. I know where it was, so it's like right there, that way. I was in a bookstore with John Rapinchuk, and there were the writings of Mother Teresa in a Bible-believing conference grounds. We're all Jesuses. In Mother Teresa's home, when she was alive in Calcutta, India, if you walked into her house, you'd see pagan idols everywhere up on shelves. Jesus was just another one to put up there. Everyone said she was a great woman, a great woman of God. I confronted the lady at the bookstore. I said, This is Mother Teresa's writings. And she said, and I remember just paraphrasing, Yes, isn't she wonderful? I said, No, she's actually in hell right now. And she was an unsaved pagan Catholic who syncretized her Christianity in with horrible idolatry of India well I don't know any of that her writings are good so troublemaker that I was I took it to the director walked in there put us on hold for quite a while before we could see him I guess they knew I was coming walked into the director of Marinath and Sat down in the nice office. I said, You know what they're selling over in your bookstore? You no. Know, the writings of Mother Teresa, and basically was like. From cashier to director, no clue. Why? What's the reason? And the ignorance is because no spirit. And as we saw after years later, from James McDonald to other false believers who spoke at Maranatha. James McDonald said you don't have the Spirit inside of you. Well, of course, a person without the Spirit would say that. And we know where he's at today, apostatized. So we had to separate from that organization as a family. That's why we don't go there every year, because it's apostate. We're called to separate from these individuals and from these organizations. So the same thing applies. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Verse 27, notice the Lord's soul is troubled. I came for this purpose. Verse 26, what was his purpose? If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my slave, household slave, diakonos, will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He's troubled by the apostasy going on in in the society. Look at verse 36. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light, verse 36. The light is Jesus Christ. But look at verse 36 of John 12. These things Jesus spoke, and he went away and hid himself from them. And though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. Signs don't convert. You can do all the miracles you want. The great stumbling block is if we just raise the dead in a church today, people would be saved. No, they would not. Jesus did that, and they weren't converted. Signs don't convert. What do you need to get conversion? Spirits. Not miracles. Verse 38. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet in another passage, Isaiah 53. Which he spoke, Lord who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe apostate Israel. Hadn't changed in how many Centuries from Isaiah 44, Isaiah 53, into John 12, how many centuries? It never changes. How can someone be born into the church and never progress spiritually, then die claiming to be a Christian never living for Jesus Christ in this church for 70 years? This is three, 400 years! There is never any change. Verse 40. He has blinded their eyes. There it is, blindness. He hardened their heart, no conviction, so that they could not see with their eyes and understand, no conviction, no understanding, no repentance. Converted means repent and be converted to turn. Why is there no repentance in the church? Because unbelievers run the professed body of Christ. Same thing, First Corinthians 2. Now we slam right into the church in the Corinthians and Paul Lays a number on this issue. Why am I teaching all this from John 9? Because John chapter 1? Because this is Jesus piercing the darkness of Israel first and then the pagan world, and it never changes. Darkness is always the same among professed believers. John, are you saying that if someone is a professed believer and is permanently darkened, ignorant of the scripture, doesn't understand, they can't be converted? No, because they're apostates, they can't be converted to claim to be a believer to pretend to be a believer and yet permanently have no ability to see one's own condition as a mark of apostasy first corinthians chapter two look at verse twelve well let's go back a little ways to verse ten for to us god revealed them through what the spirit It wasn't paul was a genius he had the spirit the spirit searches all things even the depths of god for who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Who alone knows the thoughts of God in verse 11? Spirit. So whom must you have to know about God? So permanent ignorance of the Bible, inability to perceive truth, To study and grasp permanent forgetfulness of spiritual truth means one does not have the Spirit. Verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but here it is, the Spirit who is from God, so that we may what? Know. The only way to know the Word is to have the Spirit. This is my great grief and sadness in the body of Christ from pastors to pews. The massive, permanent ignorance of truth. Why? I've had people say, you're so smart, you can study the Bible. That has nothing to do with it. I can't find my keys half the days of the week. I don't call that intelligence. I commit the same sins over and over again. That's not smart. You went to Bible school. That has nothing to do with it. Albert Schweitzer had a doctorate in theology. And he cursed the New Testament. How did Paul? He was brilliant and he was putting Christians to death. At least party to it. To Stephen's martyrdom, right? He held the goats. What transformed him? Verse 12. The Spirit is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. You can see unbelievers in churches across this world, in our own church historically as well up until now, individuals who adamantly claim to be saved and they have no knowledge of the word of God or understanding of it. Verse 13, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. Not Bible school. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Verse 14, but a natural man, that's an unbeliever, does not accept. That's how an individual in Israel's day could reject Jesus. How individuals can sit in Bible-believing churches under the word of God and be unmoved. Look at it. They do not accept. Keyword: word, decami. They do not receive and welcome. You can sit in church like this. The word of God, such an individual has taught the word of God. And inside the mind, I reject this. I reject this. I reject this. I reject this. Lost. That's why professed believers are permanently ignorant. They reject truth, reject truth, reject truth. They claim to hold to it, but they reject it. Notice the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Occasionally, I've talked to individuals over 35 years in our church or seen it when I've been preaching. I've seen smirks come on the face. Not because I was picking my nose during the sermon. I'd smirk at that for sure. But rather... I've seen smirks, and I knew what that was. It's that right there in verse 14. Foolishness. It's a smirk that says, this is nonsense. And it, it was released accidentally. In counseling, when I confront individuals with the word of God, and they go like this. Or during a sermon, the heart is released through a look of foolishness. But notice, it isn't just that they do not accept the things. And this is where our pity comes in. He cannot understand Gnosko. He cannot spiritually grasp because they are what? Spiritually appraised. Who knows the mind of the Lord, verse 16? Only that mind of the Lord can be instructed in verse 16. And Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. He was accused of not being a believer. He was a believer. That word discerned then is incredible. Spiritually appraised. See that right there at the end? Spiritually discerned, verse 14. Anakrino is the word. Let's stop on that word for a moment, anacrino. Um, see it there at the end of verse 14? They are spiritually appraised. What is it? They're discerned. Basically, it's, the word is discerned. You have to have the Spirit of God to discern the Bible. Let's split that word up. It's anna, a-n-a, and then crino. Two parts to that word, appraised. Anna, crino. Anna means up. To go up, complete a process like building a building up. Okay raising up a foundation, a building, to create something up. It's not just going up, traveling up like in an elevator. It means to progress up. And it intensifies the second part of the word discernment, crino. And that means to select something by separation and judgment. You go to McDonald's, you see the menu. Do I want a McDouble or do I want a cheeseburger? McDouble cheeseburger. I sat there for a half hour. I couldn't make my mind up this last week during the drive-through. McDouble or double cheeseburger? No, it's just a joke. Okay, but that's what discernment is. Crino means separating and making a decision. This is why professed believers throughout our land, in the church today, they can look at a scripture and they can't, they can never, year after year, decade after I, I, I don't, I can't separate. I have no comprehension of the difference between a McDouble... And a double cheeseburger. I, 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 I have no experience. I can permanently not make that distinction. Why can't you tell the difference between a McDouble and a double cheeseburger? You've not eaten either one of them. You don't know. You have not experienced. You can't appraise the Bible without the Spirit. So to select by judging, by going up, to progress in an ability to understand is a mark of the Spirit. It is close examination. Distinguishing right from wrong, up from down. This comes only as the spirit resides in the person. This is why stones can sit in the pew and hear the word of God like this. Decade after decade and never any progression. I talked to Linda at the end of her life. Had no comprehension of the word of God any different than I knew her 35 years ago. None. Where is the progression? How can that happen? You know, hear the clue to my in my funerals when I do funerals for such individuals. All I can say is, she made a profession. Can you imagine sitting on the Word of God for seventy years and never any appraisal, never any discernment. Why? Look at verse fourteen. Things of the spirit. You gotta have the spirit. Yes. Separated. It requires study. It's not mystical. So we study and then we have a ha ha moment. Right. There is right. Like even those sort of who are all the training in the world can be blind. Right. But see that slapping doesn't occur with the professed believer who's lost because they don't have the spirit. They hear, they could see, they can know what Anna means up. Crino means to, to, to distinguish through judging. And they can hear that, they could hear it right now in the sermon. And it means of separating, judging, progressing. Boom. No spirit. They forget that. If you ask them a half hour later, they won't know what you're talking about. See? They have to have the spirit to retain, to understand, to be convicted, to grow. It's a process. So with appraisal, we're talking about spiritually evaluating, examining, and, and growing. That's why Christ had to come in John 1 to pierce this darkness. You can't understand the Word without the Spirit of God, without the Spirit of Christ. This is who He is. Look at chapter 3. 1 Corinthians, chapter 3. No, 2 Corinthians, excuse me. I actually erased my notes at this point. Good time to stop I'm on my computer accidentally, and I lost this reference, but I still remember it. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12. Therefore, he's making an application about who God is in his great glory. And he says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12, Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech, because of the see, he's converted. Conversion makes boldness. Conversion brings evangelism. We do these things not because we're brilliant, educated, or been to Bible school. We're evangelists. We study the word. We have boldness because we're saved. Verse 13, and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away? Verse 14, but their minds, the minds of the Israelites who claimed to be saved, their minds were hardened. There it is again, hardness. For until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. You cannot remove the veil of a professed believer who is forever under the darkness of their unbelief and will never retain truth. You can't. He's saying, look at, he's acknowledging from Moses' day till Paul's day, the veil has never been lifted. Because it is removed in who? And if there never was true conversion, there never will be a veil lifted. Never. In Ephesians 4, Paul hammers this home to the Ephesian church. He says in verse 18, the pagans, you're not to walk like pagans. Why? Here's his warning to the believers of the Ephesian church in verse 18. They're darkened in their what? When you can't understand the Bible, what does that mean? Spirit. And what is it marked by? Lack of comprehension or understanding. Lack of conviction. Lack of remembrance. I don't understand what this means. It does not make me feel guilty. And what were we talking about? I don't remember it. How can someone sit in a Bible-leaving church for decades under the teaching of the Word of God and not know profoundly the Word of God? Because that's verse 18. They're unbelievers. Darkness produces lack of understanding of truth, lack of conviction, and forgetfulness. And he's talking to believers. He says, don't be like them in verse 17. Notice, permanent ignorance in verse 18. I don't know the Bible. I don't know what this verse means. I don't know anything. I study it. I forget it. It's an educational problem. No, it's not. person's lost because of the ignorance that is in them because of the what hardness of the heart he calls this having a callous in verse 19 and then of course the evidence of a hardened heart in a false believer is given over to sensuality impurity and greed and that's all through the church today another prefacing sermon for John chapter one go back there explaining the theology of darkness is what I've done for you this morning it isn't just them out there. You walk up to a blind man whose stick is tapping the, each side of the sidewalk, and you say to the individual, Are you blind? And the person 100% of the time who has dark glasses on, even at nighttime, and using the blind man's stick will stop and say, Excuse me, sir, are you a blind man? And he'd say, Of course I'm blind. I need this stick to operate. I know I'm blind. 100% of the time you walk up to a professed believer. And you say to that professed believer, I've known you for all these decades, where is the service, where is the passion, where is the evangelism, where is the knowledge of scripture, where is the hunger for scripture, where is the testimony of what a sinner we are like Isaiah did in Isaiah 6, where is the, the humility, where is the repentance, where is that? It's, I don't see that in your life, you're blind, you're blind, you've, you've never understood the Bible, you never will, you're blind and the person will say unlike the physically blind person, no I'm not. Why are you saying you're a believer when the primary mark of an individual is a permanent ignorance of the scripture? Lack of conviction and forgetfulness. Why would you think that you're saved? Because I know I'm saved. My blindness makes me blind to my blindness. And my arrogant, unbelieving heart truly believes, regardless of the evidence of blindness, that I'm going heaven one day oh it's so simple you can rest assured dear believer if you read the Bible and you study it you're convicted you grasp meaning you have great guilt and you remember what you've taught been taught that this is an evidence of conversion and the opposite of those things are throughout our churches sad to say so many like Linda Hall for so many decades I've seen come and go, they came, they sat, they never changed, they never knew, they were never converted, and the judgment to sit under the word of God for so many years and never be transformed is shockingly heartbreaking to me, and I'm no better than them. I didn't get this on my own power, the spirit had mercy on me. Oh, most have no mercy from God. It's offered, but it's rejected. And they justify their lives in their own eyes. If you can't comprehend the scriptures, you forget the scriptures. You don't know truth, and you study it very little, and it doesn't make sense to you. I beg of you, do not partake of communion. You're not backslidden. You're forever unsaved. And only the Spirit of God can change that. Father, as we bow our heads now, for we who have seen evidences of transformation and mercy in our lives, for we who have bowed our knees to your Lordship, and you, Spirit of God, opened our hearts to repent of our great sin, for we who study to show ourselves and approved unto God because the Spirit impels us to do that, For we, Lord, only this morning who are here in this room, who grasp the deep things of the word of God only because you are in our minds, giving us understanding. For we, only we, who are deeply convicted when we study truth and convicted by the Spirit, And multiple times a day repent. For we here today, Lord, only who can remember truth for days and weeks. Not because we're brilliant and have good minds, but because the Spirit has driven it into us. For comprehension, we thank you, Spirit of God. For conviction, we thank you, Spirit of God. For remembrance, we thank you, Spirit of God. Keep our hearts as true believers soft. May we not harden. May we not be one of those that I will have to stand over potentially one day in the future at a graveside and say, so-and-so made a profession, but there was never any progress. Never understanding. Excuses, defensiveness and anger. No conversion evidenced. God is the judge. It's up to God to decide. I want no doubt when I die that those who stand at my grave, dear Lord, would say, Here was a man of God. No doubt. He was not to be praised. He was a hellbound sinner. The Spirit of God mercifully chose to transform. Spirit of God, we honor you in communion by partaking of the bread, we who are such people. And it's only because of the blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have life. In him. It is only because of the blood. Ephesians 1 Father, your word tells us that we've been regenerated by the blood of Christ, been given new life, made to be born again. Radical transformation, not of our doing the infinite power of the Spirit entering into our minds. Thank you for this gift, Spirit of God, to know your word, to be convicted by it, and to remember it. For softening our hearts, piercing our darkness, we honor and glorify you in communion. Only believers like this Truly saved, we remember when the darkness was lifted and the light of the glorious gospel entered in. We who have this are not to praise ourselves or to hate or despise those who show no evidence of conversion. May we truly pity them and love them And pray for them, for ultimately we don't know the hearts of others. And may we say, Thereby the grace of God go I. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the precious blood. Let's partake together. Father in heaven, we have bowed our heads before you and your word. We've honored you through the study of the scriptures. We who have the spirit know the truth we've been taught. We comprehend it. It frightens us that we can be hardened like unbelievers. That's conviction. Have mercy on us. May we repent. May we never forget your precious truth and grip the Bible with white knuckles and never let go of it and saturate ourselves. Thank you that we don't have to be intelligent or educated to have deep things known of the word We only and forever just need you. We are stupid sheep. You are the shepherd. Drive us up on a crinle. Give us discernment. Show us in our minds we're saved by progression. Understanding that enlightens our darkened minds. Move us and progress us towards holiness. So that we will never have others said of us when we die. Well, that person made a profession of faith only. May it never be a Lord.